in space episode number eight where we're here to talk about episode number eight of season one of the expanse i am nikki Payne here as always with mr eric heiler how are we doing today eric uh doing as well as to be expected i am vertical and sucking oxygen and that's all i can hope for i'd like to think we can hope for more than that not much more but a little bit more you know sometimes you know unlike the government we don't believe that breathing is the pinnacle of life Yes, we'd like to think that living our lives is equally as important. Yeah, actually doing something. Now, the way they're trying to steal, you know, months and possibly years of our lives in an effort to save breath, kind of feels like an overstep to me personally. But well, you know, you got to get those carbon emissions down to zero some way, right? Well, still not going to do it. So <laughs> there's a, there's there's enough people out there with uh, essential jobs, as they call them. Yeah, I, I have an essential job. Yep. Believe it or not, I'm essential as well, and and it's essential because you don't have to leave your house, right? Uh, yes. <coughs> I bet if you had to leave your house, it'd be far less essential. <laughs> well, you know, if the state wasn't paying for projects, I guess it would be a lot less essential. Oh well. How does how does that feel to you, knowing you're sucking off the 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 teat of the state? Well, I will always use the Walter Block defense of I am recapturing some of the money that was stolen from me. So <laughs> good, 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 good. So anyways, we are here for about this episode eight, season one of The Expanse. Uh, this one, I, I, we were talking about it before I hit record about how, how much is about to happen in these last three episodes of the show mm-hmm. or three episodes of the season. Because man, like once it does get going and firing at all cylinders, dude, it all just happens at once. Yep. So in this particular episode, we have we've done two two important things that like stuck out to me. The first one, we have introduced Miller to the cast of the Rosinante. Like they have now officially met. Yep. We have also seen they 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 found the ship that was responsible for destroying the cant, and then they blew it up. But this is also where I think is it is did they see it when they were on that first ship? They they find the proto molecule. I feel like for the first time, like that we actually kind of get an idea of what this is. Yeah. And Did they, they uh, see it in the very first episode, or they kind of hint at it? I don't recall right now. I think they kind of hint at it. You don't really get a really good view of what it was capable of or what it was doing. This episode, they actually get a chance to see when they fire up the reactors to the the ship that they find that they actually see like this thing is living. It's it's doing something, and that seems like it's kind of a mind fuck to them. Like yeah. they they seem a little oh snap, but. So the two, those are the two main things. They were first really introduced to the concept of the protomolecule, and they meet Miller. We, this episode is, I can't remember if it opens up specifically with it, but if not, it's right at the beginning of it. We get to see some of the real afterworld, afterward effects and the real-world repercussions of some of the treachery that has been going on with Havasarala at the UN. And the episode opens up with uh, her friend, like her getting notice of her friend, Frank, who committed suicide. And for those listening or watching, 
he was her friend that she kind of used to goad the Russian, or sorry, the the Martian uh, military <laughs> into showing their hand. And the aftermath of what she set in motion, you know, had basically destroyed his life and he couldn't live with it. So now she has very real blood on her hands right. because of her political actions. And it, it, like we were, we were really hammered at home last episode. That the thing that this show, show does super well is that it focuses on a lot. Like it focuses on the human elements of government. It never lets you forget that these are actual people with actual people, like people uh, problems. Right. So not shape shifting lizard people, but actual people. <laughs> uh, I was actually talking to uh, Denver Libertarian uh, yesterday. Is that he's been watching the show, and I think he made it to yeah. episode nine. And he was he was bringing up that it was interesting that like it's like how come we're always dealing with human problems in this show, and like I don't know, <laughs> as opposed to like as opposed to aliens or you know robots or whatever. Is like, well, there's no he's like I, they're never talking about animals and stuff. And I think that that's uh, honestly part of the part of the issue is that we're dealing with all this where it's early days technologically, yeah. Where, they just have like if you pay attention, no, there aren't any animals anywhere because they can't can't keep them alive. They yeah, can bar- they can barely keep people alive. Yeah, like humans are expensive. Like trying to bring a cow out to a moon base somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you've got like basically they've got the transport part down, but they don't have the terraforming part down. Like that's right. the thing. And that's the big basis behind Martian culture is actually figuring out how to terraform. Like their entire society was was built around that. Yeah. And, you know, they they haven't quite perfected it yet. If you pay attention, like, I think the only animals that you ever see in this show are a couple birds. Yeah. And I think only in this first season. And, like, they're definitely not not things you see often. They're, they're part of the plot that you see them at all. Yeah. There was the uh, last episode with the uh, the hummingbird showing up outside of Julie Mao's window that Miller saw. Um, the other thing that you know, like, you point is even plant life, like, there's very little plant life out there. Like, even if it's just like a cactus, and in your room, like it's a big deal, right? Um, the the plant life that does exist is usually in some type of air purification system. Like they're doing kind of uh, hydroponic growth and stuff like that, or so, the governor's lawn. <laughs> well, yes, obviously. Um, there's very specific reasons, and it is the places that it is. And you get the impression that it's not easy for that to exist. Right. I mean, because you got to remember, like, all of the life that we're used to and is used to sustaining us is kind of for very specifically a a certain brew of minerals and things like that that are only found on Earth or only found in the right quantities on Earth. So in any other case, a lot of what people are doing right now is trying to shift deposits of specific minerals from planet to planet and station to station to try and make those places more hospitable for humans. Yeah. But that's a lot of work moving a lot of minerals, a lot of different places. And I think it's just like, they're going to get there. It's just going to take a while. Right. Jumping way into the future. One of the things it does kind of become an issue like that, especially with Mars, you got to think that they're generation, like a group of people that have lived that way for their whole lives. And eventually like, is the next generation going to care about the old, like if, if, if a better way kind of presents itself, does the new generation give a shit about the old way? Do all those kids that have spent their entire lives working to terraform Mars continue doing that after their parents die if a, an easier way shows up? Yep. Maybe not. 
So it's a big, <laughs> it's a big question. And like you, you, you look at that and you think you have to think about the world that we're in. Like, you know, are the things that we give a shit about going to be the things that our kids care about at all? Like, you know, our causes, do they take them to the next, the, the next generation or two generations from now? What are the things that they give a shit about? What are they trying to do? Yeah. You know, everything that we do could totally be for not if the kids are like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so Havasarala is dealing with the, the aftermath of uh, what she did to her friend. And because she's the type of person she is, she's actually kind of going to use this as an ax to grind moment where she proves how dedicated she is to her job by just, you know, they're acting like they need to give her a moment to deal with it. And she's like, fuck that. I'm going to go on doing what I'm going to do and being a hard bitch. Yes. And I don't know. It's a little, fr- like seeing things like that are personally a little frustrating to me. You're so dedicated to the, the politics that you literally can't even mourn the death of a friend. Like that just seems like there is something genuinely inhuman about anyone who can do that. Right. I think that's maybe that's one of my issues is that you have like all these people that have human problems and they're acting inhumanly to them. And that could, I think, all could almost entirely be the the entire modus operandi of government: a bunch of people or a bunch of humans acting inhuman. Yeah, and what better way to facilitate that is than the state? Yeah, you're, we're trying to pretend that we don't exist in this equation that we're in. It's so weird. So uh, I think this is also like. Not the first time we meet meet the Mormons, but it is like the first time that we kind of have a discussion about like the concept of what the Mormons are trying to do. And it, Miller is on his way to Eros and he's talking to this guy who, you know, to me, he kind of looks like a businessman. Right. But, you know, I think that's there's a joke in there. I guess, what are you, a salesman? He's like, oh, you know, of one kind. <laughs> and and he, he, you know, begins asking the questions about, so you guys are building a ship. With a, you know, it's got a hundred year mission headed to a planet. And what do you do when you get there and there's nothing there? <laughs> Which I think is a, like, there's, that's one of those, especially in these, like these early helmets, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of faith put for huge projects. Yeah. Which is a lot of what government does. It's just this idea that you're going to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice and never reap the rewards of what you're chasing after. You know, if it's the Mormons, the building a ship to go and find a new planet, or if it's the Martians trying to terraform Mars, if it's, you know, the UN trying to colonize other planets and things like that, like everyone's dealing, like they're trying to, like we, we, we've, it's, it's so weird because it's something that's so human to do. Like you look at the, the pyramids and things like that, that took, you know, monuments that took hundreds of years, you know, maybe thousands of years to build these things. <laughs> moving huge giant stones and most of the people that worked on them only ever saw like the the little bit that they worked on right then they didn't get to see the finished product of it and you have to wonder how do how do people how do people keep on dealing or mo- like moving towards a goal that they don't ever get to realize right that's the, that's a tough one but the thing is it's like a, even in our day-to-day lives it's we do the same shit like as anarchists you know we want to see the world without a state <laughs> and I don't think I, I have no belief that we will ever see that, but it's something that I still work towards myself. Yeah. We, we spread the message and we teach people and try and educate in hopes that another generation will maybe run the ball a little closer and there'll be fewer people getting killed by fucking governments. Yeah. I always kind of joked. I was like, yeah, uh, my grandkids may never see it and their grandkids may see it one day on a different planet. 
So well, and and that brings you right back to what's so great about this show is that it, it's right. kind of the exploration of yeah, they fucked Earth up, but maybe there's hope somewhere else. Right. The show, I don't know if it ever really kind of answers that question. I think the end end like position of the sh- of the the expanse is that human beings are human beings, and much like you know any other type of creature, like we we see see the grass is kind of always being greener somewhere else. And the fact of the matter is, is you carry your bullshit wherever you go. Right. Human, human beings are flawed. So there's no running away that can take away human flaws. We can just try and find better systems to deal with said flaws. That's like the whole idea of like, I hate when we get accused of being utopians and it's like, I I don't feel like a utopian. I feel like I understand it's going to be shitty. Oh yeah. Anything but really. Yeah, like, I think that we just have to find a, a more humane way of dealing with people being shitty. Yeah, that's like, I'm not advocating for a complete perfection in society. In fact, I realize that it's going to be a lot imperfect, but I know it's going to be better than what the state is currently offering. Yeah. And it's so-called service, you know, and all, using air quotes there. And and that's what's frustrating is that like, I, I, will, I will tell people I do believe that the government is, in fact, a market like it's a, it's a it's a market force. It's created because people are lazy and they kind of don't want to have to deal with their own lives. That's why it exists. Yeah. Like if people didn't have a need for it, it just it wouldn't like that's unfortunately how things work. The problem is that it's a crappy product that has cornered out any other products from entering the market. And that's the that's where the issue is. It's it's, you know, seeding the market to one company and giving it monopoly. And it's odd that like I think because people and we do the same thing. A lot of people think of government as being government and not being a part of the market that it makes it makes trying like we try and tell a normie that, no, well, you know, a government doing anything and not allowing anyone else is a monopoly. They don't get that the same as because we don't talk about it as if it's something that exists in a market. We talk about it as if it's something else. So but if we if we make that mistake, then we're also not allowing the uh, not allowing it to be what it actually is. Right. You know, it's if we talk about it as a market force, it's a hell of a lot easier to say, yeah, and they it's a market force and they have a monopoly and you hate monopolies, too. Let's end the monopoly. That's correct. You know, most of us who are into this stuff are more into radical decentralization than anything because I don't think I have a need or a right to tell anyone else how to live their lives. We all just want the opt out. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, you do you. I'm going to take my ball and go do what I do. Yeah, exactly. So I wish to unsubscribe, please. <laughs> oh, good God. Only. <laughs> so while we're dealing with all that, you know, we're, we're, we've. We've got a couple different things. We've got some some good Miller being a cop dealing with other cops. Yeah. And what's what's interesting, well, they're having their lunch there, and he's talking to that guy who kind of said, "Hey, that that ship that you were looking for, why don't you, you know, I got a got a lead for you." Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're running Miller's doing Miller shit and punches out a dude who's in charge of the docking station, and the uh, yeah the cops show up and jail him up. Just runs in there like a bull in a china shop. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like stomps on the dude's throat. <laughs> and the next thing you know, his buddy shows up to kind of, I'm taking this one for a walk and get him out of the drunk tank, basically. Right. But the really interesting thing to me is that, so when they're sitting there and they're kind of talking about shit, you know, he kind of lets on, well, I'm not a cop anymore. They they got rid of me. <laughs> yeah. But they're talking, he's like, well, I, hey, I wanted you to get me some surveillance stuff. He's like, come on, man. Like, And then- 
he met the cop starts talking about like all of the things that are going on within like all of the shadowy shit that he's not privy to that the basically the new regime of police are are doing yeah. and and I love the fact that he actually refers to them as thugs yeah but there's a certain irony that you feel is lost on the character not realizing well you're you're just the old old guard of the thugs yeah you were you were a thug once too remember yeah you're you're a thug talking to another thug complaining about the bigger thugs <laughs> two thugs talking about thuggery <laughs> i mean it, it, like um, what's what's the problem with thugs? It seemed like you were way okay with it when you were the you were the ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was paid to be a thug then. It, it was just really telling to have like a police officer refer to just the other police officers as that, and not not yeah. see it in themselves. So you, you've got you've got Miller on arrows. He get he does end up getting the information he wants on this cop, and so he's headed to this place called the Blue Falcon, mm-hmm. where. Julie Mao is said to be hanging out underneath a different name. Um, what was the name again? Is uh, Lionel Polanski, I think. Yeah, well, Lionel Polanski. That's right. Yeah. So he heads there. Now we have uh, the Rosinante. They've just discovered the ship that destroyed the the Kant. There's even a, a moment. That's a little <laughs> a little ironic to me. Also, the uh, Holden does his remember the Kant. Yeah. When, he's, <laughs> when he after he blows up the. The scopuli or whatever the hell it is, right? <laughs> that, that seemed like I mean, come on, that's a little on the nose, guys. <laughs> but in all of this, they're they're dealing. They're still ha- they're still tagging along with this uh, spy, and I and I don't think that they're quite aware of what's going on. He's trying to keep himself alive, but they've discovered the proto molecule, and they're like, "Well, we bought load up. I guess we head to Eros because the only the only survivor of this, whatever happened here." Yeah, who they they're headed there. They were headed to arrows. So honestly, it almost like mirroring like we've we've hit this this trajectory and we know everyone's headed to the same place. And at a certain point, it's like almost everyone's doing the same thing, just kind of in their own time. Right. And it lines up that they end up on uh, on arrows and they head to where she was or where Lionel Belansky was checked in. And so we see them in this kind of like sleazy hotel looking for there's a, the things that happen there are what's really interesting. First thing you see is that the, as they walk up to the place, Mr. Fucking spy calls the cops and alerts yeah. them that they're there and like, Hey, come get me the fuck out of this situation. Yeah. But in that place, we kind of, we kind of get to see a few people shine because you do see the police show up and from the minute they're in there, you can tell Amos is on edge. Because he's seeing all the little pieces fall into into place that no one else is noticing, and he's trying like hell to kind of keep us cool about it. Yeah, he's putting it together. Yeah, he he sees nobody else notices this because they're not supposed to notice it. But this room is slowly filling up with people who look innocuous, but he can he can feel it. Like he just knows yeah. this is an op, and they're here for us. You can see fucking uh, the spy is getting twitchy and kind of doing his thing. And before you know it, all hell breaks loose. They've got the room number, and next thing you know, someone starts firing. So Amos starts capping people, just just blasting. Finally, gets to scratch that itch that's been building for the last. Couple of <laughs> oh, he's really wanted to kill that spy real <laughs> fucking bad. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's doing his thing, and now we've got a fucking shootout, and all hell breaks loose, and and everything's kind of 
I don't know how this is going to go. It's kind of up in the air. And then like a like a knight in shining armor, Miller shows up to f- find what he's after. And he's like, fuck this, all these people in my way. I'm finding yeah. this bitch. And he starts fucking, you know, essentially, it, for him, it's just he wants to end this so that he can get to what he's after. Right. They need to end it. And, and there's only, he, he's basically, who the hell are all of you and why are you here? Yeah. Do I, and do I care? Like he, yeah. he, he's like he's not he doesn't once he finds out what they're there for it's kind of like stay the fuck out of my way that's right. that's because really all he cares about is his mission I I did forget to mention it so there's a lot of jokes because the one of the big things with Miller is the hat and like yeah. how silly his fucking old detective hat was and you do find out that like the the cop the black cop that he meets here on Eros ask him hey where's my hat yeah. <laughs> and and it comes up a couple times. You're like, oh, so the, the cool black guy has the guy. That's where he got the hat from, you know. And he was yeah. just trying to be cool like his buddy. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty fun. So there's a big shootout. It ends for the moment, and Holden's trying to do it. Holden does like, hey, who the fuck are you? And what's going on? And Miller's like, he, if you don't want to find out what's coming after the next wave, the ones with badges that are about to show up, I'd get your fucking hand off of me. Don't touch me again. Yeah, exactly. And so he kind of lets them tag along. So both parties, they're not maybe not one party right now, but they're all both on the same mission. You know, the classic Dungeons and Dragons moment where you've just met everybody you're about to go adventuring with. Right. They're all kind of in the same spot, headed up to Julie Mao's room. And then they get up there and... There, there, it's just, it's, it seems empty. It's like, what the hell? And they notice that a lot of the stuff in the room has been destroyed. Yeah. And they can't quite figure it out. You know, there's lamp, lamps that have uh, bullet holes in them and things like that. And then they notice something here that they noticed on... Uh, the scapula? Yeah. That there's a... They weren't trying to keep, keep something out. They were trying to keep something in, I think is what it seems like. Yeah. And so... We're gonna get our second, our second run-in with the proto molecule, and the first time Miller sets eyes on Julie Mao, and the the episode ends with Julie Mao basically looks like she's got some kind of something crawling all over her or in her. She looks dead, yeah. kind of like infected with something. Yeah, and you know he's seeing this just as a saying, no, no, don't go in there. We we don't know what this is. We've seen something similar, and like they don't say it, but you can tell like they're trying to warn him because yeah, nobody it's like, knows. You don't want any part of this. Yeah, yeah. What we saw, like, and so they're just now starting to put the pieces together on how this thing is, what kind of what its nature is. One of the things that as the show goes on, you realize that there's it feeds off of radioactivity and energy, so it kind of always finds its way there. Yeah, but it also. You know, we're we're now learning can infect people in some way. Yeah, and we're just kind of left there hanging with, well, what the fuck does this mean? Is so? Is this a some kind of you know based on all the high tech stuff we're seeing? Is this something that the government you know is cooked up and they're trying to test it out on a population? I, we don't know. Is, is it something different entirely? Like it, 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 it's it's where they to me like the ad, the adventure really starts showing and. There's a like it does that great thing where you, you get a lot of question answers because like hey we just found the girl yeah but apparently now she's connected to a whole bunch of other shit so just the the floodgates of what what what's going on actually just got wider the minute you have one que- one question's answered now there's twenty million other ones yeah a veritable Pandora's box of shit that they're about to get into well and 
let's not forget they were just in a shootout. So presumably they have something incredibly infectious here. Yep. That they're all possibly infected, and now a whole bunch more people are coming to be infected by it. Right. It's as a, as a viewer, you're just kind of like, oh shit, like what's going <laughs> on here? Like if I didn't know there were more seasons, I'd assume at least somebody's gonna die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I like I said, I I really I really like the episode. There's not a whole lot of downtime in it. Like it really, really pushes you adrenaline wise. It, it is a lot going on. We did kind of forget to uh, mention that we do have at least one scene with Fred Johnson where we're finding that he, he his we know he took that chip off of that Martian soldier that we were kind of like, well, wonder what he's going to do with that. Yeah. And we see that basically he's got his techs working on hacking it to find out what the fuck they were trying to save. And we end up finding out that it's got a lot of information. Basically, it has it's a full record of everything that happened to the Donager, which is the Martian ship that the the only survivors of were the the crew of the Rasnate. So what they end up finding out is they're like, well, what are these ships? Like we've got good visual of the ships, but there's no information on what the fuck they are. Yeah, you know, we we don't know. Like they're assuming they must be Martian because of the tech, but. They're not any Martian ship anyone else has ever seen, and the drive signatures are crazy different. And and this is something that they toy around with a lot in the show, is that you get the impression that there's a player here that's not a government player. Right. And it's something that like we, we don't deal with really well as libertarians, is the the government versus public company, you know, pri- private company. Yeah. How does that distinction work? Yeah, so Fred Johnson's got his people tearing over the information. Yeah. And, you know, he finds what he finds. And they they kind of shield your his motives from you a little bit. And I don't even know that they really tell us as the viewer all of the information that they really glean because they kind of leave it hanging like there's something else there that's really important. Yeah, it was like he's seeing a lot more on those monitors than what the audience sees. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, it's part of that Pandora's box. Like, we, well, we know what Fred Johnson wanted that for. Now, yeah. Now, what are the other questions? What's he going to do with that? It's like, did he see, get the answers that he was looking for? Well, and, and it, it kind of comes down to that age old thing. I mean, knowledge is power. Yeah. Like, the more of it you have that other people don't, like, it tips the scales a lot. And that's what everyone, all every one of these governments is kind of, they realize they're working from behind, trying yeah. to find the information that gives them the edge and everyone's trying to keep everything close to their chest and kind of failing at it. But yeah, so a lot of fog of war going on in some places. It's a little foggier than others. I used to, uh, I used to play nerd games on roll 20 <laughs> and their, their in-house mapping system. Like you could design your, your maps on the, the, the platform. Right. And they actually had a fog of war setting. Yeah. That was awesome. Essentially, you like you as a DM, it would show the the full map on your side. Yeah. But as far as your players were, once you put on fog of war, basically it would only let them see what the immediate area around them. Well, yeah, like basically yeah. it would like if, it would kind of show like what their lamp light would be, and then if they, there's a corner, they don't they can see the top view of anything that they would actually be able to see. But nothing else. Yeah. So like, and 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 so you see the circle of the the light kind of move, and as they move around, 
Uh, it was awesome for like doing like cave battles and stuff. Like, as you can, yeah, I bet, kind of hide things. But I, it was like the the lesson on what fog of war really meant. And you're like, oh shit, it's 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 all that stuff that you don't that's just out of the range you don't get to see. Yeah, you know, and you've because you've only got pieces of the information. You know, if you were to do that, like say on a on a tabletop, you don't have that little feature. Right. So it was always really cool to be able to incorporate said feature <laughs> in a, in like a, a modern setting. Computers have done great things for pen and paper RPGs. Just allow me to say that. Yes, I agree. So I think that's pretty much it uh, that happens in this episode. Kind of brings up some of the, the big questions we have. Like I said, I really liked seeing the cops kind of interacting with other cops. Uh, I like getting a little more kind of, of Johnson's background. Yeah. I like seeing... Our conclusion to the season kind of coming together finally. Yeah. Because it is a little daunting at times trying to keep track of all the little things going on everywhere. It's it, it's it's like, I don't know if you've ever played like a Dungeons and Dragons quest where like you don't all start in the same place. Yeah. And like your DM, as a DM, it sucks because you're trying to get, you're trying to get everybody to the same place. It's often easier just to say, all right, well, you're traveling with these people and you're all in the one place. Yeah. Just for brevity's sake. It's easier, but it's definitely not as much fun. Yeah. Like, it's way cooler to kind of get all of those stories to coalesce, <laughs> but it's a hell of a lot more work. <laughs> and you're going to have, in the first couple rounds of play, you're going to have a bunch of people kind of like, well, I'm not really doing anything for most of this, so I'm going to go get some chips, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess, why don't you give us our specs, and we'll, we'll head out of here. Uh, all right. Let's see if I can get those pulled up here. All right, so the uh, title of this episode was called Salvage. It was uh, directed by Bill Johnson, written by Robin Veith. Uh, came out to January 26, 2016, yeah. and a .721 yeah. rating, which was uh, pretty high. Yeah. So it's, it, it seems like they're really trying to find their audience at this point in the series. Yeah, and usually that's that's the definitely the job of the first season of a show to find that audience that's going to be there for the for the next couple of seasons. But yeah, so it, it seems like it goes up and down and up and down. But um, yeah, this one was pretty highly rated as uh, far as the shares go. It's like the very first episode had the highest views at 1.19. So Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to see the new thing. Yep. And I mean, I got to imagine sci-fi as a network has been struggling for a while because you can go on the internet and watch pretty much anything. So yeah, I haven't had cable. Like sci-fi is my thing and I haven't had cable in fact. I don't even remember over, <laughs> over a decade, decade and a half at this point, something like that. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I use hipster cable. I just get everybody's passwords and log into my own stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, right on. Um, we got two, two more episodes in this season. Yep. It's a, uh, Coming to a close. We still keep it on with the expanse. We're going to take a break and do something else. Um, I'll kind of leave that one up to you. I could probably do, start doing uh, season two if you wanted to. And then there was another show that we were talking about was uh, Future Man on Hulu. I can't wait to get into that one. Maybe you think we should uh, kind of, I'm wondering if we should just kind of tear through these and we'll chalk it up to like the first year being uh, just the expanse because it worked, kind of works out like yeah, almost almost a, 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 you know, a year's worth of episodes being the one show and then we can change it up after that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that'll work. Yeah. Unless you just want to kind of pick a new show and go for a season. I imagine it'll be cliffhangery for anyone that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Future Future Man, I think, only had two seasons, and I'm pretty sure like they ended at the series. Yeah. It was a really interesting show though. It's it's very it's a very we'll just say this. It is tonally the exact opposite of this show. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's it's like a sci fi comedy almost. Yeah. 
but it's it's got some fun stuff in there that they kind of get in. I think the second season has a lot of bigger questions than the first one does from a philosophical standpoint. But I mean, yeah, it's a show that kind of really dives into the whole the whole hit baby Hitler question. You know, do you go do you go and kill baby Hitler? Like it's like no, you rescue him from his parents and you raise him correctly. You know? Well, and well, but even more than that, well, what does that change? What if that actually just opens a vacuum for a worse dictator? Oh, it creates a worse monster. Yeah, and and that's kind of the point in the show is is like you're just looking at like yeah you think you're doing the right thing even if you could go into history and change that you shouldn't yeah because it's it's you know it's going to change everyone else's lives involuntarily right like it, it's what why do you get a say in everyone in the throughout history's lives so it's it's got some fun questions they ask yep we'll we'll, we'll decide on the day what we're gonna do like when when it, when the when it comes up we're gonna be like okay what what are we what's what episode Make are we doing time <laughs> So, all right, Eric, you have a good one. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. See you later.